worth having despite the few technical difficulties. Morning, everyone. No wonder you all look so jolly miserable this morning. You're the ones not on holiday, aren't you? <laughs> Everybody else has gone away. The birds have flown. Anyway, anyway, we're in God's presence and we're going to hear something from his word uh, now with God's help. Uh, as we come back to our House and Home series, and uh, today thinking of uh, the dining room, uh, uh, we've been thinking uh, of, of our homes and we've been thinking of these rooms uh, at two levels, I guess, um, at the literal level. Uh, that in our homes we have these various types of rooms for their various uses and functions, uh, and how as believers um, does that impact upon us in how we should be using our homes uh, for God. But then there is the spiritual level that we've been thinking of as well, that each of us individually, that our own lives <laughs> are like a home in which, if we belong to the Lord Jesus, God dwells by his Spirit, and Jesus takes up residence. And we think of what the significance of each of those rooms are, and what it means for us in terms of living as God's people. Um, for those that have been the speakers on this series, um, Andrew kindly prepared a set of briefing notes and uh, there was a, a, a verse that was given in those briefing notes for the speakers uh, for this particular series. I can't recall anybody reading it as yet but then I've not been here for every one of the talks that we've had. But this is the verse for the series. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's from John 14, verse 23. But this morning, as we, we think of the dining room, uh, there was uh, another verse in the Bible that came to mind. Uh, again, a very well-known verse for those who are familiar with their Bibles from Revelation 3, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they with me. And uh, as we consider those two verses together... How amazing is it not that God and Jesus should want to come and live with us in our homes and in our lives? I suppose there are many people in the world today who would regard this sort of concept as intrusive. You know, my home is my castle. I will determine who is there and who is not. Uh, and the, the idea, the notion that it is possible that God in Jesus by his spirit can come and take up residence in our homes and in our lives, they would regard as intrusive. But I'm sure we would say this morning that it's truly amazing, is it not? Is it not truly amazing? 
It means that we live in a restored relationship with God where we enjoy peace with God. Normally when one sits down in a dining room uh, to have a meal together, there is a sense of being relaxed in each other's presence, enjoying each other's presence, being at peace, <laughs> hopefully, with each other around the table as we enjoy the meal and each other's company. But to be able to do that with God in a restored relationship, is that not wonderful? To be able to know as he lives in us and he lives in our homes and be able to feel his love for us and his compassion to us, we've been thinking this morning, and to be able to know and to sense his presence. Isn't that great for our hopes? Isn't that great for our lives? Thank you for some response out there. That was great. <laughs> so in this series, we've been thinking of what it might mean for Jesus to live in the house of our lives and taking it room by room. As I've said, both literally and metaphorically, as we think of the spiritual implications uh, as well. And uh, we started the series with Roger and uh, uh, thinking of uh, the wisdom in obeying Jesus in how we should build. That uh, we should be building our lives on Jesus. Obeying the words that he says. He that hears these words and obeys them is like a man who builds his house on the rock. And uh, the old hymn, the words of an old hymn would just sort of come to mind as I speak on Christ the solid rock I stand... All other ground is sinking stand. So that was our starting point. Building on the rock, Christ Jesus. And then uh, Andrew reminded us uh, in the following week that uh, having decided where we are going to build, it's important how we build and what we build with, that we use the right materials. The materials that will last for eternity. The lo those materials that will stand up to God's, uh, God's uh, test and God's standard. Gold, silver, <coughs> precious stones. As we live our lives, so we build with these. Or we can build with wood, hay, and stubble that will not stand God's test of fire. And then we went on to the rooms. The lounge, where Peter kindly invited us in. Serving in the kitchen with Darren. Back in the bedroom with Roger. And uh, as we've already said this morning, we're, we're in the dining room. So having taken that break last week with our holiday club week, uh, and for the comings and goings over holiday period, hopefully that's brought us to the same sort of place. Our dining rooms. Of course, um, having a meal together uh, is something that has grown immensely in popularity uh, in recent years. Anne and I have been uh, able to spend a few days in London this week, and as we walked the streets of London, seeing the sights of London, it seems to, to me that just about every other shop seems to be an eating house of one sort or another. Whether it's one of these breakfast cafes, that seems to be sort of quite a, 
a, a, a cool thing to do at the moment. You come into the city to go to work, all right, but you go to one of these breakfast cafes first, and they all sit out, you know, um, French style on the pavements and what have you, and they're all tucking into their eggs and bacon and poached egg and um, healthy breakfast and goodness knows what else. Um, and then it goes right the way through, you know, to your... Uh, continental, your international, um, or your fine dining restaurants. But it seems that just about every other shop seems to be an eating house of one sort or another. But that, of course, is eating out. And our thoughts this morning need to <laughs> relate more to eating in, where the meal that we have can be prepared in-house, where the hosts either show off and demonstrate their culinary skills, um, or simply lay on a takeaway, uh, or, or have a barbecue, or, or something like that. And these, of course, tend to be special occasions in the sense that they are not every day, although there may be those of you who entertain quite often. But, of course, we do eat every day. And depending on the lifestyle of each family, then our eating patterns, of course, may be quite different from day to day. Uh, I can remember that when our children were uh, growing up, I would often be away from home with my work. And if I wasn't away from home with work, then uh, I would be on a long day and I would be late home from work. And when the kids were growing up, they would usually have eaten and they would even uh, have gone to bed. So during the days of the week, sort of eating as a family was uh, a little bit all over the place, and it was sort of Anne that held it all together for three parts of the family, and then sort of Dad had his as in when, you know, he came home. How often, when it came to the weekends, uh, as often as we could, we would make a point of eating together as a family. And even though our two lads are now in their early 40s, that is something that we have continued uh, until this day, where usually at least once a month they will come home uh, to mum and dad and we will have a Sunday lunch together. And uh, I think it's important. We, we, we have these very individual individualistic lifestyles these days where we all live our individual lives and some of us eat on the hoof and we grab a bite to eat when we can and, and we can be all at sixes and sevens as a family and if there's children you, you know I think we've got to think very carefully about it when you there's something about sitting down together be it a family or, or, or a group of friends, or, or whether it's a group of believers in a church or what have you, that when we share a meal together and we share of each other in conversation and in fellowship, there is something that is going on that affects our relationships with one another and how we behave one towards another and how we can be open with one another and share and support and help each other. So for those that are with families that find it difficult to actually sit down together, I would simply say, try to make it happen as often as you can. Um, it's often been said that the family that prays together 
stays together. And I hope we all say our grace every time we sit down to have a meal. But it seems to me that there should be sort of an equivalent adage that goes along with the family that eats together. (laughs) I'm not going to say that the family that prays together stays together, but there is a huge benefit, I believe, in eating together as families. And then, of course, um, when we come to the New Testament, The Bible has things to say to Christians um, about being hospitable. Uh, Paul, writing to Timothy and Titus about church leaders, says that they should be given to hospitality. We should, church leaders, should be kind of example setters in a way, I suppose, that they should be given to hospitality. Then Peter, writing in his letter about living for God, as Christians, not just church leaders, but this is everybody, Christians generally, says that we should offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. We should offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Or as another translation might put it, that was the NIV, open your homes to each other and share your food without complaining. Now, that is Peter. Now, that is pretty down to earth, isn't it? And, and we know from the book of the Acts that at Pentecost, in post-Pentecost, uh, when, when the church uh, was, 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 was founded uh, and, and Christians started to work out a lifestyle together, <coughs> that their homes were significant in the way that they grew and developed as believers and sharing in meals within their homes. So, the norm for us all, says Peter, and he was there right at the beginning as far as church and believers and hospitality is concerned, is open your homes to each other and share your food and do it without complaining. Of course, um, you may well be one of those sorts of people that finds it a doddle to open your home and to entertain guests, and to lay on food in a meal, and so on. But maybe (laughs) you're not that sort of person. Perhaps that's something that you struggle with. I can't cook, and I can't cook as well as so-and-so. Mark and Heather are not here this morning, and they're great ones for hospitality, are they not? You know, but I just... uh, uh, rib, uh, Mark, I shouldn't do it really, it's, it's really quite rude of me, and he should have told me to shut up by now, but uh, on a number of occasions where Anne and myself have been kindly invited to their home, um, I just say to him, of course, all that we're having is school dinners with you, Mark, isn't it? You, you know, as he, as he cooks for, for um, Wycliffe College down in Stonehouse there. And, and, and he openly says that that is what you get when you go to their home. Meals do not have to be elaborate, but maybe you struggle. But it's clear to me from the New Testament that it was the norm for Christians to be able to share their common life together. And that involved the dining room or whatever form it took uh, in their house layout of the day. And when you stop and think of it, and I'm thinking about, you know, as church at the moment, the family of God, other believers, there's all sorts of reasons, positive reasons, why we should be doing 
it, not just doing it for its own sake, um, although <laughs> that has its benefits. It's good sometimes just to do it for its own sake, just to be sociable and to be able to encourage each other in our Christian lives. It's invaluable to help to get to know new folk who start to come to the church. Don't try to get to know everybody over that cup of coffee at the end. That is helpful. That is useful. But when you really do find out about each other is when you have a meal together and spend some time together. Hopefully our open homes uh, that we've been having on the second Sunday through this year in Abbey Church have been helpful in, in that direction for those who have been uh, uh, attending those. And we're grateful to those who do open their homes and make them available for us. To be able to get to know better those we don't know so well in the church. Some of us, you know, are quite strangers to each other if we really stopped and thought about it. We might be aware of each other as we meet on a Sunday morning, but that might be it <laughs> until the next Sunday morning. Uh, and some of us are quite relative strangers. Others of us know each other particularly well. Well, it's a great way to get to know those better that we don't know so well in the church. Um, and also, it can be for its people that may have difficulties or problems in life. To be able to invite somebody into your home and to have a meal can be a great icebreaker for perhaps the pre-running <laughs> to sitting down and actually resolving some difficulties and problems that they may have or that you may have. There's all sorts of reasons that we could go on why, in fact, um, it should be beneficial for us to meet uh, as the New Testament would say that we should. And of course, for whatever reason we might meet and have a meal together, it's a great way to be able to just share our common faith. Our common faith. Um, I was just trying to look up last night um, a little bit on Google um, about uh, Jewish customs uh, for eating and their sort of philosophy on meals. And uh, I came across a little piece, and I didn't make a note of it or anything like that, but the, the gist of it is lodged in, in my mind, that for a Jewish family to sit down together, given the faith that they have, their religion, that of Judaism, so it's in the context of Judaism, for them to sit down and just eat the food... And for their conversation in that meal not to take in something relating to their faith, Judaism, they consider to be a meal wasted. And I thought how much greater it is when we meet together as believers. We can meet, we can have our conversation, uh, we can have our meals together, but how often do we use those opportunities to really enrich each other's lives more in talking about Christ and so on and so forth? So that we don't have meals that are wasted, <laughs> as the Jews would consider. Our Bible reading today um, 
was about an occasion when Jesus went to someone's house, if you remember. The name of that person was Levi. He was a tax collector, as we know, and uh, as a tax collector, we know that he would not have been everyone's favourite. Not just because he worked for the HMRC of the day, uh, but he did it on behalf of the occupying Roman Empire and would therefore have been regarded as something uh, of a traitor. It's amazing, really, when you consider it. At work one day, <laughs> we read, he had responded to the invitation of Jesus to follow him. Follow me, Jesus said. Uh, and he left his workplace. <laughs> Perhaps he was waiting for any opportunity to get out of the HMRC of the day. I don't know. Um, but he... he, he, he left and he responded positively to Jesus. Uh, and we read that he wanted now to hold a banquet for Jesus. Do you know what? Until I read the number of times I've read this from Luke 5, you know? But I've never quite noticed that turn of phrase that you get in the NIV. That he wanted to hold a banquet for Jesus. I want us to think about that and hold it in our minds and in our thoughts. And long after we leave today, well, it would appear that he invited a whole load of work colleagues to come and meet Jesus. And I guess his desire was that uh, they would be able to hear from Jesus as he had heard from Jesus and then follow him as he had now uh, chosen to do. If you actually look up the meaning of the Greek word for hospitality, philoxenia or something like that, <clears throat> it not only means to welcome those that you know into your home and share with them in a meal, perhaps, or maybe just over a coffee, but it also means to welcome those we don't know. To welcome those we don't know. To welcome strangers, those that we don't know, but perhaps we know that they have something of a need. And in that, we are able to show something of God's love for them. And this, in effect, was what Levi was doing. He laid on a banquet for Jesus, for all his work colleagues, some he would know well, some he would not know that well, to come that they might hear from Jesus. I don't know about you, but I think I would find that a hard thing to do. If I think of people that I don't know particularly well, but... Maybe I'm aware that they have certain circumstances where perhaps one, as a Christian, you think you can help and show something of God's love in compassion, but to invite them into your own home. I'm quite happy with those I know. But this is some challenge, is it, <clears throat> is it not? But if we are going to be whole life disciples, which is what part of this series is contributing to, then perhaps we need to start thinking in these sorts of terms. 
like Levi. How can you, how can I, in our own way, in the world in which we live, in the circles in which we move, how could we conceivably hold a banquet for Jesus in our homes? I just want to leave it there because it hit me last night <clears throat> and <laughs> I'm finding it challenging. And I don't think that I should suffer by myself and <laughs> carry that one alone. And that's why I'm sharing it with you this morning because I want you to see it for yourself as, 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 as it's laid here, out here in, in God's word. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. What would that mean? What would that look like in our day and age for us to be able to do it as whole life uh, disciples? Doing it by ourselves, of course, will be impossible. But with God's help, and perhaps with others in the church, it is something that could perhaps begin to happen. Maybe not with everybody, but with some, those who find it easier perhaps to be hospitable and then for others to learn from them. And now finally, if we now look at the spiritual aspect of, of, of the dining room, rather than just the literal in entertaining and so on. God, of course, has made us body, soul, and spirit. And all that we've thought about this morning is, is feeding our face. You, you know, the literally having a meal. Uh, and, and how that can look like for us uh, as believers. But as we think now of ourselves holistically, body, soul, and spirit, um, remembering that in the course of our lives, we're not all just feeding our face. No, I won't say it, Taffy. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say that we saw you the other Monday afternoon walking down Northgate Street, stuffing your face with a pasty. We'll, I won't tell the church that this morning. All right. But we're not, but in the course of our lives, we don't just do that. But also, as we live our lives, there's a sense in which we are feeding our minds. Uh, and we are feeding our souls. Uh, and we know that as far as feeding our minds are concerned, that out there in that big wide world, there are a whole number of sources of information and material that is not good. And if we start to feed our minds on that sort of thing, then we are going to damage our minds, and that is not how God wants it to be with us. Paul writes in his letter, does he not, to the church at Philippi, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the sorts of things that we need to be feeding our minds on, that we might have the minds <laughs> that, uh, that, that Jesus wants us to have. Paul writing to the Romans, did he not spoke about the renewing of our minds? The Bible also says that as we think, so we are. The mind, and the Bible's got a lot to say about the mind. 
It's where, if you like, our life begins and ends, what we are as people, uh, what we do, what we pursue, how we spend our time. It's all in the mind, and we need to be careful how we feed our minds. And for our spiritual food, like newborn babes, says Peter, craves pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. He's talking about the word of God. Crave pure spiritual milk, spiritual food, God's word. Uh, and Peter, in, uh, uh, sorry, Paul in Corinthians uh, talks about progressing from, from having milk to be, get onto the solid foods and onto the meat of God's word, some of the deeper things of God's word. And that's how we need to be feeding our souls, our spiritual food. So let's think of it at the face value. <laughs> a banquet for God. <laughs> the requirement for all of us to share in hospitality. How simple or how wonderful a banquet that might be. And then let's think of our, the spiritual way in which we feed ourselves, body, soul, and spirit, that our lives will truly be <clears throat> for the glory of God. Amen. Trish, back to you.